Come on, good morning, ACF. Can we celebrate being in church together today? Man, Merry Christmas. I am so excited to be here. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're watching online, we love you so much. Thank you for being with us. Uh, let, let our hosts know where you're watching from. And, uh, man, we're excited you're with us today. But it is, it is that time. It is Christmas season. You guys, Christmas Eve services one week from today. One week from today. Man, we're so excited. You guys don't want to miss this. This is an opportunity, like Britt just said, invite your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, your teammates, your neighbors. Jesus is going to be proclaimed, and it is going to be a powerful, powerful evening. And we are, are expecting people to say yes to Jesus for the very first time on Christmas Eve. And so don't miss that. If there's one thing you know about me, if you don't know who I am, I love Christmas. I love this time of year. I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas music. I don't stop listening to it. It's the only music I listen to. I'm out plowing my driveway listening to Christmas music. I love this time of year. And one of the reasons I love this time of year so much is just because it, it brings back and sparks so much joy in my life and so many memories from past Christmases. And, and the fact that what we're celebrating really means a lot to me. And, and I just I love this time of year. And we've been on a journey as a church uh, through this, this season, and, and we've been calling it the deeper life through joy. That to, to live a deeper life in Christ, to live a deeper life in the life that Jesus calls us to. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full or this deeper life. And to, to live that life, it, it has to go through this journey and this path of joy. That you're not actually living the deeper life if you don't have joy in your life. And we've been hanging out in, uh, in probably the most famous, popular Christmas passage that there is in the Bible. And that is Luke chapter 2. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brian was talking about how this, the, the angel showed up to the shepherds. And they were, like, they were terrified, they were afraid. But what was coming in this announcement was a powerful thing, and, and he talked about joy and how oftentimes we see spiritual maturity. If, you're, if you've been a Christian for a while, oftentimes we see spiritual maturity as like cynicism. Like, I can poke out all the flaws in your theology, and I can poke out all the, all the flaws in that worship song we just sang, and I can poke out, and there's so many problems in the world, and this is what's wrong, and that's what's wrong, and like, that's because I'm spiritually mature. That's why I can see all those things right? But, but the actual spiritual maturity is this idea of joy, that when things, when, when things don't go my way, when I shouldn't have joy, I actually do have joy. Peter calls it joy unexplainable, but that that is a sign of spiritual maturity. And last week, Angela did a phenomenal job talking about this good news of great joy. And she talked about, like, what do you do when you get good news? And how oftentimes today we don't feel like there's a lot of good news out there. But these angels show up and they proclaim this good news of great joy. And today we're going to continue that conversation right into the very next verse of what was that good news of great joy. But before we get, even get into that, I, I just a little quiz time. This is a little responsive time. My question to you is, what was the good news of great joy? Do you know what the answer is? What is the answer? Jesus is the answer. All right, yes. If you were wondering if that was a trick question, it was not. Jesus is the answer to what was the good news of great joy. And so before we get into the message, I want to start with a question to you, and that is this. Is, has Jesus been good news of great joy in your life? Like, 
Think about that. Has Jesus been good news of great joy in your life, or is he just the answer to the question? Like, it, it, it becomes easy to go, oh yeah, Jesus is good news of great joy when everything's going your way, but like, what about on a Tuesday, right? What about just on a, on a normal Tuesday? Is Jesus the answer to what is good news of great joy in your life? Like, think about Tuesday. You get up, and it's dark, right? And, and, and it snowed a whole bunch, so you got to go shovel the snow in the cold and in the dark. And then you get in your car, and you head into work, and you hit the highway. Now you're stuck in traffic in the dark, right? And then you get to work, and, and, you, and, and you get to work, and you start doing your work, and it's still dark, right? And then you, you go about your day, and you do your work, and you're grinding and out, and, 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 and you just kind of do your thing at work, and it's the same thing you did on Monday, and it's the same thing you did last Friday, and the same thing you did on Thursday, and, and it, but today is Tuesday, so you know it's a little different, and, and, then you get, and then you finish your work, and you get in your car, and you go home, and you get on the highway, and you sit in traffic, again in the dark, right? And then you get home, and maybe you get home to an empty apartment, or maybe you get home and that roommate's still there, right? Or you get home, and it's just chaos in your family, and you got three kids, and they have to go five different places tonight, and, and it's just about, it's about scarfing the food down, trying to have dinner, and then you crawl into bed only to get up and do it again in the next day. Was Jesus your joy on Tuesday? Right? Or, or, or is he just this answer to the test? I think a lot of times we think, oh yeah, Jesus is my joy, and I'm going to experience joy when I die. Like, my joy is that one day I'm going to die, and then I can have joy. But that's not what Jesus meant at all when he said, I came to give you life and give it to you to the full. He meant today. He meant on Tuesday. He meant in the mundane in the day in and the day out of living life, the normal, ordinary life that has its ups and has its downs, but mostly is pretty mundane, Jesus is your joy in that. And that's what he actually wants for you. He wants to be your joy on Tuesday. So we're going to jump into Luke chapter 2 here. We're going to start in verse 8. We're actually, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we're actually going to go back and kind of reread some of what we read. But this is the announcement that the angels bring. This is the shepherds. This is the moment. This is the moment when, like, everything changes for humanity. Everything changes for humanity. And this is the announcement of that Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so today I'm going to be talking and focusing on like 11 and afterwards. It's kind of was what I was assigned. Like, okay, you're starting in verse 11. And I started working on this message. It was like, okay, I got 11, I'm going to 12, verse 13, verse 14. It's where all the good stuff really starts to happen in this story. And I sat down, and I started to just meditate and study this passage, and I couldn't get past verse 11. Like, God was just speaking so strongly to me just in this one single verse. And so today, like, this, this message is as much for me as it is, I hope, for you. But I want to I look at verse 11 together. We're going to start it again. He says, today, okay, full stop right there. I couldn't get past this word. Like, word number one, today. It, 
it dawned on me in this moment as I'm reading this passage when the angel is talking to the shepherds, he says, today the Savior has been born. In other words, today I bring you good news of great joy. Today there is good news for you. And you're like, well, okay, what, what do you mean by that? I don't quite understand. What the angel's saying is, today the Savior has come. Today you have good news, not tomorrow. I think we're constantly looking for good news in our life. We're constantly looking for great joy in our life in what tomorrow can bring. Right? I, I think we live in this, this perpetual state where we're like, yes, I will have joy in my life tomorrow after my bank account is full. Right? It's, it's tomorrow after my bills are paid. Tomorrow after I finally get to go on that trip and have a vacation. Tomorrow after I get the promotion. Tomorrow after I graduate. Tomorrow after I get the raise. Tomorrow after I can kick that habit. Tomorrow when life goes more my way, then I will have joy in my life. And we're constantly chasing joy in tomorrow. And it's no wonder we can't find joy in today. Because we, we see all the problems and we see everything we haven't accomplished and we see everything we have to do and we just think, if I could just get that one thing done, then I will have joy. If I could just have that one thing, I will then have joy. See, we're, we, we, we look for joy in tomorrow when we put our hopes in what we can do, but we find joy in today when we find our hope in what he has done for us. See, today the Savior has been born. Today there's good news of great joy. And we will never do enough in tomorrow that will finally give us lasting joy. Right? We'll never have enough money in the bank to finally give me lasting joy. I'll never have enough, you know, degrees behind my name to give me lasting joy beyond tomorrow. We continue to chase joy in tomorrow and we don't experience it today. So again, what was the good news of great joy? What is the reason for this season that we are celebrating? It is what? Jesus. I heard it come on over there. I love it. It's Jesus is the answer. But that's not actually what the angel says, is it? Does the angel say, today in the town of David, Jesus has been born? That's not what the angel says, actually. What, what does the angel says? What does the angel say? What the angel says is today in the town of David, a savior has been born. See, the savior is here. The Lord has come. That is the good news. But sometimes we 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 answer the question to the test, right? Like, what is the answer? Well, the answer is Jesus. It's, it's, it's this version of Jesus that I know, right? The answer to the test to, like, what is the good news of great joy? What, what am I supposed to find joy in today? Well, I'm supposed to find joy in Jesus, right? And that goes, kind of goes back to my first question is, are you finding joy in Jesus? See, we, we kind of treat this whole situation, again, like it's the answer to the test. It's this version of Jesus. Apparently, there was some guy born like 2,000 years ago, and I'm supposed to find joy in that. And how does that affect my Tuesday? Right? We have these versions of Jesus that live in our mind, right? Like the eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus that doesn't even talk yet, right? There's this version of Jesus. And, and when we have this just random version of Jesus in our life, some guy that was born 2,000 years ago, well, it's, of course, it's no wonder we don't find joy in it. He just becomes the answer to the test question. 
But Jesus is so much more than the answer to a test question. It's kind of like this, like, like, I know what the Pythagorean theorem is. I know what the Pythagorean theorem is, right? It's A squared plus B squared equals C squared, right? In a right triangle, the right angle squared equals the hypotenuse squared. Come on, give me a gold star. Anybody else know that? Right, I know the answer to the test, and yet that answer has never had bearing on my life. Well, one time, and it was the day of the test, right? Like, one time in my life have I woken up going, I'm so glad I know the Pythagorean theorem today. One time, and it was when I had a test on it in high school, freshman year. Other than that, it's never had bearing on my life. But I know the answer to the test. And I think oftentimes, especially when we spend some time in church, and we're around this kind of Christian culture a lot, Jesus becomes the answer to the test question. Right? Oh, it's, yeah, it's Jesus, right? My good news of great joy. But it has no effect and no bearing on our lives. And what we even end up doing is creating like a version of Jesus in our mind. Like, like every religion has a version of Jesus, right? Like every, every religion sees Jesus as this great prophet, this great man, this guy that was born 2,000 years ago who said some good things. And yeah, we should probably do what he says. It just kind of makes life better, and I think a lot of us kind of have that version of Jesus in our hearts and in our minds. And yes, that's not going to cause good news of great joy in our life. Jesus can become the answer without becoming our joy. See, when Jesus becomes our answer, if Jesus is our answer without being our joy, it's because we have just some different version of who Jesus actually is. Again, he's some guy that showed up 2,000 years ago, but if that's the version of Jesus that we have, how does that really affect our lives? Like, how does that save my failing marriage? How does that help me when I have addiction in my life? How does that help me when I'm really struggling with loneliness how does that help me when, man, my, my bills are due and I have no money? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how does Jesus, this version of Jesus, this guy that was born 2,000 years ago that we're supposed to be celebrating around Christmas time, like, how does that have any effect on my life? And the answer is, it, it doesn't. He can, you can know the answer without experiencing the joy. See, again, I go back to what did the angel actually say? The, the angel actually says, look, I'm going to bring you good news of great joy. Today, the Savior has been born. He's like, who is this Jesus? Why do we celebrate Jesus? Why is Jesus the actual answer to the test? Why is Jesus the thing that can bring me good news of great joy? Not just when things go my way, not just when I get the raise, not when I get to go on the vacation, not when you know, I accomplish that thing I've been going after, but even when things are hard, even when things are difficult, even when there's sorrow in my life, I can experience joy, or just when there's mundaneness in my life, I can experience joy. Who is this Jesus? See, what the angel said is the Savior has been born. In other words, the Savior, the anointed one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the author, the perfecter, the finisher, right? The Savior, the sanctifier, the healer, the coming king. That's who has been born today, and his name is Jesus. Right? That is the answer to the test. When we know that version of Jesus, it changes everything. See, that is how we find joy in Jesus on Tuesday, when we know who we're talking about, right? This is who Jesus is. This is where we find our joy. 
See, our joy is rooted in this. The Savior has come. The God of the universe, in all of his glory, has come to save us. He's come to save us. You know, that's what Jesus actually says he came to do. Like in John uh, 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 chapter 3, verse 17, you know, the verse after 316, in 317, Jesus says, I have come to the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? In, in, in Luke 19, Jesus says this, he says, look, I have come to seek and to what? Save the lost. The good news is that that God of glory has come to earth to save us. And so the question then becomes to save us from what? To save us from what? You, maybe you're in a really good place right now. Maybe you're in a place where like your business is booming, your family is healthy, your relationships are strong, your kids are doing awesome, right? You're, you're, you're getting the promotion, you got the raise, you got the, you just got back from the vacation, you're leaving for the vacation, you know? And, and you're like, ah, oh, things are really good right now. I don't, I don't know that I need saving right now. And, and maybe that's where you're at. But what did Jesus come to save us from? See, in, in the book of Romans in the Bible, Paul's writing this church, and, 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 this, and in this letter that he writes, he's explaining kind of like who humanity is, who Jesus is, and how that affects humanity, and then how we live beyond that. It's, it's an incredible letter that he writes. And, and what he explains is that here's the deal, humanity all of us, every single one of us, that we are dead in our sins. Dead in our sins. And you might be going, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm not dead. I'm alive, actually. I'm here right now. I drove through the snow. It was cold. It was dark. I'm here. I feel like I have reality around me. Like, I'm not dead. What do you mean I'm dead in my sins? See, Paul explains that because of sin, death has entered the world and death to all people. And that maybe your flesh, this outside shell of you, is alive for a brief moment. And we all understand that. Like, we're alive for a moment like that in, in, in the scope of eternity. Just for a moment we're alive. But that there is a spirit, there's a soul inside every single one of us. And because of sin, that soul is dead. That spirit is dead dead. It is not alive. But Jesus came to save it, us from that. See, he came to save us from sin and death. That is what he came to save us from. But, but what does that mean and what does that look like? See, if you've ever been around death, there's some things that you kind of recognize when you're around death. And, and just being a pastor, I'm, I'm around death. I, I, I walk with people through the loss of loved ones. I do funerals. And, and there's some earmarks about death. You go, my soul is dead. There's some things that we can look at that would be evidence of that. Like death, like typically is surrounded with like sorrow. Death is surrounded with fear. Death is surrounded with brokenness. Death is surrounded with anger and uncertain, uncertainty and oftentimes hopelessness. Like, those are some of the earmarks that you see of death. And sometimes, have you ever felt that in your heart? Have you ever felt that in your soul? Emptiness, uncertainty, loneliness, brokenness. That's because death is there. The other physical things that you see around death is, is you see, like, death is like decay. It's rotten. It has a stench. It's emptiness. It's lifelessness. And 
I think if we can look around the world, we can definitely see those things around us, right? Decay, emptiness, like the way humanity lives and the way we treat each other. It's like, man, yeah, there's some rottenness around us right now. It's because every single one of us, apart from Jesus, our souls are dead. There's death, but that's why Jesus came. That is the good news. That is what Jesus came to save us from. It's today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. What is he to save us from? From death and sin. That's what he has come to save us from. Saved from sin and death. And because of that, what ends up happening is now you're no longer like, okay, Jesus came just to kind of resuscitate me, right? Like my soul just needs to be resuscitated. No, no, no. That soul is dead and it is never coming back to life. But what Jesus came to do is to give you a new spirit, a new soul. In fact, in Ezekiel, God prophesies through Ezekiel. He says, look, one day I, as in God, is going to put my spirit in humanity. And that spirit is life. And it's like being born again, as Jesus says, completely new. And that is the good news of what Jesus came, that no matter what you're going through, like your circumstances don't matter. Like they do not matter to this new life, this new birth, that you can be going through pretty terrible circumstances and maybe even your own fault. And probably in some ways your own fault And yet we can still be born again and new, and that is why Jesus has come. You see, because of sin, death is the condition of our soul. And yet Jesus came to completely change that. That is what the Savior has come. That's what we need to be made, that's what we need to be saved from. See, oftentimes we look for salvation in the things that we can acquire, the things that we can do. Again, we put our hope in tomorrow, and it's like, man, if I can just get that new truck, I'll have joy, right? If I can just get a little more money in the bank, I'll have joy. If I can just go on that vacation, I'll have joy. But the thing is, when life gets hard, I've I've never met anybody sitting in the doctor's room getting, right, the diagnosis, and they're like, well, at least I got my new truck, right? Well, I know this news is bad, but I remember... Last summer, we went to Hawaii, and it was amazing, and so, man, everything else is just smooth sailing from here. Like, right, these things that we put our hope in, they don't, they don't last. And that's why Jesus came, is to give us joy that actually lasts. Joy that when we have sorrow, we can still have joy. Like, they're not polar opposites of each other. The opposite of sorrow is not joy, and the opposite of joy is not sorrow. In fact, they can go together quite amazingly and beautifully like a puzzle piece that you can actually have joy within the sorrow and that's why jesus came you see there's greater joy that transcends the sufferings and our circumstances there's a greater joy that jesus brought that transcends all of our sufferings and all of our circumstances that no matter what you're going through no matter how mundane it might be or how empty it might be or how tragic it might be that you can stand in the middle of the hardship in the middle of the storm and you can do it without pills you can do it without drink you can do it without binging netflix you can do it without porn you can do it without overspending on amazon like there's a joy that will transcend all of those things where you can stand in the storm of that darkness and right in the middle of the storm you'll have a foundation under your feet and you can have gladness in your heart 
and stillness and peace in your soul. That that is what Jesus came to do. Today, a Savior has been born. See, salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's offered to you today. And, and, and maybe you said yes to Jesus and you've received that gift. And maybe you haven't. Maybe you're in here and you're still wondering about all of this. And that's, that's totally okay. We are so glad that you are here with us. Bring your questions. Bring your doubts every week. And yet you need to know that there's a gift for you. And here's the thing about the gift. A gift can only be received. It can only be received. That is the only posture of humanity to this gift of salvation is to receive it. You can't do anything to earn it. The gift must be received or it's not joy. Right? There's no joy in a gift that you're trying to earn all the time, right? There's no joy in that thing that you're just constantly trying to earn, constantly trying to go after, constantly trying to like, okay, if I do the right thing, I get to have the gift today. If I mess up, I don't get the gift today. Like, where's the joy in that? And, and, and can I just speak to some of the Christians in the room today? Some of those who have received this gift, we've forgotten that it's a gift. We've forgotten that the only way we can have it is to receive it. And we've been working very, very hard since we've received it to try to earn it every single day. And again, it's no wonder Jesus is in our joy on Tuesday. Because I'm really trying hard to earn this gift. I'm trying so hard to earn my salvation. I love what David writes in Psalm 51. He's, he's really struggling. And he's trying to, to call back this joy that God provides him. And, and this is what he says. He says, restore to me. First of all, it's this understanding like, oh man, I, I have let this joy go. I've given it away to my troubles in this world. I've allowed troubles to fill my heart. I have lost this joy, but God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Where does your joy come from? It comes from your salvation. It comes from your salvation. And so you might be going, okay, Josh, how do I make this a reality? Like, how do I have joy on Tuesday? Jesus is not just some guy that was born 2,000 years ago that I have to, like, find joy in today. That's supposed to affect my life. Like, okay, I'm starting to understand that, like, it's the God of the universe, this King of kings, this Lord of lords, the creator of all things, came to earth in the form of Jesus, and, and he came to save me from my sins. But really, how does that affect my mundane life on Tuesday? Like, how do I find joy in that? Like, I, I, for me, I need practical steps sometimes. Like sometimes just, okay, just know this in my head does not all of a sudden create joy in my heart. Again, is it the answer to the test? And so here's what I would say to you. It's quite simple. Obsess about it. Obsess about your salvation. Have you ever met somebody that's obsessed about something? Obsessed about like, right, going on a health journey. Obsessed about, you know, learning how to play the guitar. Obsessed about getting jacked, right? Amen, yeah, Brit's over there on a journey, right? Have you ever met someone that's obsessed about trucks or obsessed about like anything in life? What do they do? They're always talking about it. They're thinking about it. They're spending their money on it. They're like always, always, it's in the forefront of their mind. And what would it look like if we obsessed about our salvation? 
Maybe we would read about it. We would talk about it with others. We'd teach our children about it. We'd be generous towards it. We'd find community to have conversation with about it. We, we would sing about it. We'd give thanks about it. We'd treat others differently about it. We'd completely build our life around it. Like, how do I find joy in the mundane about my salvation? How does that become a reality in my life? Because I obsess about it. Right? I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm understanding. I'm reading about it learning more about it. When I come to church, man, I'm thanking God. I'm celebrating it. I'm worshiping him because of it. And all of a sudden, I'm not just singing songs, but I'm giving praise to God for my salvation. And that changes me on the inside, right? I obsess about it. And the truth is, I think we all obsess about some things. I think we're we're all obsessive creatures, I think. We're always obsessing about stuff, and sometimes I think, like, we obsess about, like, negative things in life. Anybody know anybody else like that? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you, and we get obsessive about, like, oh, there's so much wrong in the world, and, no, oh, there's this problem, and there's that problem, and I can't believe this person said that, and I can't believe that that political person did that, and it's like, really? You can't believe that? I'm a little shocked that you can't believe that, but, uh, you know, I... And there's this problem and there's that problem. And even it kind of comes like just down to simple things. It's like, well, it's Christmas time. And so I'm, I'm more of a Scrooge, bah humbug to Christmas. It's like, man, Christmas is supposed to be about joy. And you're sitting here, it's like, bah humbug, I'm Scrooge. Have, have you read the book? Have you seen the movie? Everyone hates Scrooge, right? And you're like, hey, this is my, this is my mark of like being an adult. Is I'm Scrooge and bah humbug to these things. Like, man, Scrooge was going to hell, Right? <laughs> And then it's like joy that saves, he learns about joy and it saves him in the story. But we love to be negative. Again, we think it's a sign of maturity. We, we live in this way like cynicism is for adults and joy is for children. And, and we kind of walk that out in our lives. And we, we were so quick to look for the things to be cynical about instead of looking for the things to be joyful about. And if you look at children... And children have no problem with joy, especially like this time of year. Right? Children have no problem with joy, and yet we want to be the adults in the room and be like, well, you know, it, it's fine, but it's like Christmas music, terrible, hate it all, Christmas music, lame. But, and I'm not talking about that particular, but what I'm saying is we just look for things to be cynical about so often. Instead of looking for the things to find joy in like children do. In fact... Jesus has something to say about this, right? Jesus has something to say about this. There's this moment where Jesus is teaching and children are running up to him and they're climbing in his lap and I don't know, I just imagine all these kids like wrestling around with Jesus and, and, and the disciples like kind of freak out and they become the cynical adults and they're just like, hey, kids, get out of here. There's no time for joy right now. This is serious. Jesus is teaching a sermon. What does Jesus say? He says, let the children come. And then he says this, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like if you want to experience the kingdom of heaven, you must become like these. And I think there's just too many adults in the room and not enough children. And I don't mean being children as foolish, but what I mean is like, man, we are ready to receive the gift of God. Have you ever met a child that's not ready to receive a gift? Right, like mom's going to the store to get groceries, comes home, what'd you bring me? Like, what, what are you talking about? I go on vacation, or I go on business trips, and I come home, my kids are like, what'd you get me? Ready to receive a gift. But we're, we're so cynical sometimes, we're like, no, 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 I don't deserve a gift today. 
I, I haven't earned it. I haven't done enough. I don't deserve this gift today. See, to experience the good news of great joy, we've we got to become like children. And I want to end with this, what the angel says. He says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. To you. Do you hear that in, in the message? It's, it's to you. It's to you. It's to you. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. But so often we are going, no, 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 I don't deserve it. I have not earned it. I haven't gotten my life together yet. I have talked to so many people that were like, man, I will start coming to church and I will start living for Jesus just once I figure these pieces of my life out. And the, the, the thing is, you're dead, right? You can't figure this stuff out. There'll always be something else. You're never going to save yourself. You can't do it. And that's good news. That's good news that we can't do it. Because if we could do it, man, that would be a grinded out kind of life, always trying to make sure we could figure this thing out. But we can't. See, today a Savior's been born to you, but shame is going to make you pull away from the grace that God has for you. See, we live our lives in deep shame often because we know the things we've done and we know the things that we have thought about doing, right? And we know the, the thoughts in our head and we go, no, no, I don't deserve this free gift and it's shame that keeps us from that free gift. I just need to do a little bit more to earn it. And I love, again, going back to Romans 3, when Paul is talking about this, this idea of, of death because of sin. This is what Paul says in Romans 3. He says, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So you can't be made right by doing what the law says. You can't do it. But so often we try to live our lives just like earning God's love, doing enough right things. And, and I was, as I was thinking about this and how I live my life, like I do this all the time. And it was just highlighted to me one time, just I think through the Holy Spirit speaking to me and he was like, Josh, you have three kids. Can you imagine if every single day you woke up to your kids going, Dad, I'm going to earn your love today. I'm, I'm going to do so good on that math test, you're going to love me. That I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn your love today. I, I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to clean my room before you even ask me to do it, and you're going to love me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn your love today. See, but the thing is, that, like, how devastating is that? How terrible for my kids to try to live that way, and how terrible for me as a father to hear that over and over again. I'm going to earn it today. I'm going to earn your love today. See, if you grab any one of my kids, if you grab any one of my kids, I have three kids, you grab them after service and go up to them and say, hey, why does your dad love you? All three of them will give you the exact same answer. All three of them will tell you the exact same thing. Try it. Go, go ask my kids after service. Well, don't do that. You'll freak them out. I have 100 people coming to <laughs> grab them. Man. But like, what's going on here? Why does everyone? But all three of my kids will give you the exact same answer. Why does your dad love you, Cyrus? Because I'm his son. Why does your dad love you, Suri? Because I'm his daughter. Why does your dad love you, Elias? Because I'm his son. They will all tell you the exact same thing. I have been working with them, ingraining that in them since the day they were born so that they understand there is nothing that they can do to earn my love. No, no amount of sports achievements or academic achievements or anything they can do to earn my love. And there's also nothing they can do to lose it. 
And today, maybe you need to hear, God, why do you love me? Because you're my son or you're my daughter. And you must do nothing but receive that gift. Nothing than to receive that gift. And so as we, as we wrap up service today, just remember this. That, that how do I have joy on Tuesday? How do I find joy on Tuesday? Is that, that there is good news of great joy. Today a Savior is born to you. Think about that. Obsess about that. I want to end with just some action steps. There's a card on your seat. You can grab that. And on them are just some steps, some practical things that you can do. You can check that box on there. You can just give us like a, your phone number, and we're not going to call or anything, but we'll probably text you throughout the week just saying, hey, this is something you told us you wanted to be reminded of. This is something that you want to do. The first thing is to say yes to Jesus. Begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never received that gift. Maybe you've been trying really, really hard to earn that gift, and, we're, and, and, and today you're just going, I just want to receive it. I just want to receive that gift Maybe you want to start every day with remembering today a Savior has been born to you. Man, obsess this week about your salvation. And invite at least one person to share in your joy at our Christmas Eve service. The worship team, we're going to go into worship right here in just a minute. And, and as we do, this front area is going to be open. And maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're someone who's like, man, I don't know about this. I've been trying to earn this, or I'm just going through a hard time right now. I haven't received this joy. I don't experience joy. And you would love someone to pray with you. There will be people right up here. Just anytime during worship, get up out of your seat and come and be prayed for. But if you would, just go ahead and join me in prayer right now. God, we thank you for your gift. Thank you that the Savior has come today, that I don't have to wait for tomorrow. I don't have to look for my hope in tomorrow. Not one day I can experience joy, but today I can experience the deeper life through joy. I can leave this room changed. I can leave this room having received the gift. God, I pray for those trying to earn it, that they would stop earning it and just receive it, Lord, and it would change them. God, they would not be living their lives try to, trying to earn the gift, but they'd be living their lives because they've received the gift. God, for those who have never received this gift, I just pray right now that they would experience your true, lasting joy in their hearts, and that would cause them just to put their arms out and say, Jesus, I want to receive this gift of salvation. I want to be changed today. I want my Tuesday to be affected by what you did 2,000 years ago. Not just a version of you, but the real you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we celebrate you. In your name we pray, amen.